Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, April 23rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. So, Chiefs General Manager Brett Beach met with reporters on Friday. The Q&A originally was set for 9.30 in the morning, and then sometime late Thursday we got word it would probably be more like 11 a.m. and then 11.30 a.m., and finally, around 12.15, Beach arrived to the Zoom call, and he spoke for about 30 minutes in generalities about the draft. You'll hear that entire interview on today's show. But what you won't hear from Beach, and this has to be the reason for the delays, is that word got out about oh, 90 minutes or so after Beach was finished, that the Chiefs had traded their first-round draft pick, number 31 overall, to the Baltimore Ravens for left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. There is the bombshell we had wondered about. In addition to their first-round pick, the Chiefs are surrendering their third- and fourth-round picks to the Ravens. Baltimore sends Brown plus a second-round pick in this year's draft and a 2022 sixth-round pick to the Chiefs. Wow, wow, wow. The move fills the Chiefs' biggest need. Gone is Eric Fisher and right tackle Mitchell Schwartz. The team was looking at drafting a tackle, but because the Chiefs draft late in the first round, they were either going to have to maneuver up or take one of the lesser-regarded players at that position. The idea was getting a player to protect Patrick Mahomes. You remember what happened in the Super Bowl loss to the Bucs. Well, now they have their man, Orlando Brown. He was a third-round pick out of Oklahoma in 2018, but he's been selected for the Pro Bowl in each of the past two years. He protected Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. He'll be asked to do the same for Mahomes in Kansas City. I had wondered whether the Ravens' arrival to the Chiefs in the AFC would be receptive to helping them fill their biggest need. Now we know. Okay, let's hear from Beach, knowing that in the back of his mind, while he's answering these questions, the word on Orlando Brown on the trade is about to be reported. Appreciate everyone for for hopping on the Zoom. Uh, Before I begin, I certainly want to thank my, my personnel staff. You know, last year, uh, before the draft, it got a little crazy with no pro days and everything virtual. That, or those challenges, kind of extended for the full calendar year for for our staff with limited school access and um, limited game access, elimination of some college games, no combine. So it was certainly a challenge uh, to get all the information, to get all the numbers. Um, certainly, our guys were extended throughout the country during the spring, um, getting every bit of information they could. Certainly proud of them, all the work they've done, and uh, I feel like we're we're in a pretty good shape now. Uh, just this morning, we finished up our final draft prep, and and now we're just kind of cleaning up the bottom of the board. But uh, we're certainly excited for next week, and um, with what we've done in free agency and and where we are heading into this draft, uh, again excited to to add to this roster and make a push for a third straight Super Bowl. So uh, with that, I'll take your questions. Go first to Herbie Tiope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Brett. Good afternoon. How are you doing, man? Hey, Herbie. You touched on some of those challenges. And I remember I asked you this last year when you had the combine, how that affected your draft board. And you had mentioned it decreased. This year, you didn't have a combine. Uh, You couldn't hold pre-draft visits. You couldn't hold private workouts at schools. How does that affect your draft board now? Is it decreasing again? And I'll have a second question after this. Yeah, there's certainly certainly some you know altercations that we had to work through, um, or I should say alterations. The um, you know the biggest challenges are that you know the medical, uh, you know the combine. Uh, certainly, we get everything verified. And, and Herbie, we talked before about 
um, you know, athletes all running on the same surface and everything kind of being uniform. This year is a little bit challenging, but, but feel good about where those measurements are. Um, some of the bigger challenges though are, are really medical related. Uh, some of the guys, um, the numbers were down in, in regards to how many guys we were able to get at the combine and get our docs hands on. Um, there was also a number of players that got COVID and weren't able to go. Um, so fortunately for us, Rick Burkholder and your staff do a great job of tying up those loose ends. But I would say, you know, the biggest change for us was just how to properly um, assess these medicals that we didn't get our hands on. As you mentioned, the top 30 guys, guys that we liked that weren't going to get to the combine anyway, um, they were still challenged. Now, we, we had a good process for that last year. I think we had a few guys. I think Mike Dana was one that didn't go to the combine. So we had a good process uh, based on what we utilized last year. Um, you know, the curveball this year, some of these higher end guys, second, third round value guys, either because of the numbers didn't work out, weren't at the combine or because they, they picked up COVID and weren't at the combine. So that's the biggest challenge. Uh, I'd like to say that we have a pretty good handle on how we're going to deal with that. Um, and we're going to place guys based on, on what we got and how confident we feel in that. But again, it goes back to our faith and, and trust in Rick. And, and fortunately for us, we have one of the best. And my last question, Brett, um, in March, on March the 1st, I asked you about Tyron Matthew and you had mentioned that uh, that was something that you wanted to get done. Final year of his contract. Where would you say you are now? And, and do you have a timeline to potentially get this done before training camp? Well, look, I mean, Tyron, Tyron's certainly a, um, a big piece of, of, of our team and, and what we do both now and moving forward. And I don't know if there's a timeline. You know, last year we were able to get a lot of our guys done. They were all during the summer. So, um, you know, for us, we were really attacking the free agency, preparing for the draft. And, um, you know, I can't say what we've had extensive of dialogue, but I'm sure that once the draft is behind us, you know, we'll have time to address where we are as a, as a team um, after the draft and moving forward. So um, I'm sure we'll... We'll have much more dialogue once we get into the spring and summer. Next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Brad, thanks for doing this. Um, mm -hmm. You've talked in the past about these draft pockets, and now that we're within a week evaluating you know, your needs, your spot in the draft, positional needs, how do you feel that those pockets might play out in this particular draft? Uh, it's always challenging uh, picking at 31, and, and that's the downside of being good. Uh, uh, consistently that, you know, you're always picking late and always see every year. It seems like, man, if we were just four or five spots higher, we'd, we'd be right in that zone where we want to be. Um, you know, earlier when we got on, I guess, right before free agency, you know, thought the, um, the O-line pockets were, were pretty good and thought the corner and the secondary pockets were pretty good. Um, you know, there's been some changes. So, you know, once you go through that process, you get some of the numbers and then you get some of the medical. Some is really good, but some some players you have to eliminate because the medical is not as good. And some of the interviews kind of work that way too, where guys maybe get pushed up because of how they interact with our coaches and, and how we feel they'll be able to come in here and, and get up to speed quickly enough. And some guys that struggle, you got to, you know, kind of dock them for that. But I would say, you know, much like before the free agency process, I, I think that there'll be some depth in the old line uh, throughout the first three, three, four rounds. And the same thing with the secondary, it is a little thinner uh, in, in the defensive line, in particular defensive tackle. Um, I feel like we're pretty good there. So that, that's good for us. The linebacker isn't, isn't extremely deep. So again, we'll just have to be um, patient and disciplined and, and just look for value. But I, I think that if we just stick to our board and, and that's why teams just, they continually update and revise and tweak that board, um, knowing that, you know, where they can kind of attack it. I, I think that mid two to early three area is going to be a hot zone. Uh, I think that that's really where there's a big fall off. I, I think another thing too, this draft, I know it's been said uh, a little, uh, you know, online and, and what have you, it, it's unique because of the volume of prospects. I think with 
the college season being shortened or some schools not having uh, a college season at all. And with some of these, say, 50 year seniors or small school prospects having the ability to go back to school, uh, you know, we're finding that a lot of these players are opting to go back to school and finish their degree, uh, potentially elevate their draft stock. So now where you kind of had some really deep pockets in five and six, they're really thin now just because a lot of players decide to go back to school and and not come out. So that's a unique challenge too. So, you know, I think that, that early to mid to early to mid three, two, three areas is really the hot zone. There is more of a fall off this year just because the numbers are down. Next to Adam Teicher. Go down. Hey, Brad, how are you doing today? Good, Adam. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, We've not talked to you since free agency started, so I wanted to get um, your thoughts on Jaron Reed, Kyle Long, Joe Tooney, and Austin Blythe, and uh, what you liked about those guys and how you see them fitting in. And, Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Uh, Well, starting off with uh, Joe, I mean, he was certainly certainly a a priority for us. You know, and look, when when we – hit the free agency period, we were certainly had a, a couple different plans. And, and I think, you know, right off the bat, we wanted to address the offensive line. So, um, you know, Tooney and Trent Williams are two names that, that made sense for us. And we were able to, to knock out Joe right, right off the bat. And um, speaking about Joe, just, I mean, he's one of the, the better interior uh, offensive linemen in the National Football League. I think his ability to play either guard position uh, and center position at a Pro Bowl level is, is something that was really uh, enticing for us. Uh, the quality, quality of person he is, his work ethic, his durability. I mean, any box that you have for an offensive lineman, we talk about intelligence, flexibility, um, production, um, intelligence. I mean, he kind of checks all those boxes off. So he was kind of a no-brainer for us. So certainly excited to add him and, and know that we have depth at any three of those positions and know that we're going to get a quality Pro Bowl caliber player at those positions. Um, certainly, as as it was kind of thrown out there, you, you know, Trent was a guy that um, we thought would have really helped us on that left side, and we weren't able to get that done. But right after that, you know, it was our responsibility to be disciplined. And after Trent, you know, we we felt like we would rather – you know, go into this draft process and and some of the alternatives out there just didn't make sense for us, whether it be a, a pay production combination or what we thought we can get in the draft. Um, we just didn't want to sign someone just to sign someone. You know, we have some some players there that on our roster currently that have some ability. Um, that in combination with the draft coming up, it was just important for us to stay disciplined so that if other things become available, we'd be able to execute those. And you saw that with Jaron Reed. I think if you go out there and just start signing players just to sign players, then when a talent like Jaron Reed becomes available, then you don't have the ability to sign someone like him. So um, with Jaron, I mean, he was a guy that I think when he was coming out a couple of years ago, uh, we had him rated as the best run defender um, in his draft class. And the cool thing about Jaron is over the last two or three years, he's really, you know, developed into um, a quality pass rusher too. So now when we have Jaron inside and Chris inside um, on third downs, you know, it's going to be, um, uh, extremely, extremely advantageous for us. Now we can have some flexibility with Chris and kick him out to defensive end. Uh, certainly Derek Naughty in there um, could, can help uh, on those base downs. So we just thought that that value was was so good. And Jaron was such a good player. And again, it goes back to just being disciplined that once Trent didn't work out, just having the ability to do something like that. So we're excited about Aaron J- uh, adding Jaron to our roster. Um, and then, you know, Austin Blythe was a guy that s- started a lot of games for LA and, you know, we want to continue to always put an emphasis on depth on our roster. Now you have the ability to, depending on what you do in the draft or where we go forward at the tackle positions. I mean, certainly Tooney can play left or right guard. Um, 
having Austin allows him to do that. If we wanted to, you know, Tooney can play center, depending on how the draft goes with our interior play. We have LDT, we have, um, you know, Wiley, Allegretti, um, Kyle Long. So we have a lot of depth now we feel inside and we'll continue to add depth on the outsides. Um, but Austin's the guy that's shown he can line up play, start at a high level. And again, having that depth um, with Tooney at center, now we have some position flex there. And, um, you know, we were able to add Michael Burton as a fullback, certainly with Sherm retiring. Um, having a guy to come in and step here, play fullback and help out on teams is something we'll always um you know, be looking for in regards to just filling out our roster quality player there. So we're excited about what we did in free agency. We know we're not done yet and we have a lot of work to do, but um, it's, it's a good start for um, transitioning into this draft and, and adding more talent. And do you feel like there's any urgency to, to add an offensive line and particularly a tackle in the draft? Well, I mean, look, I mean, there's urgency to add good players at, at every round. And I mean, as we learned last year, you're going to have situations where uh, depth comes into play. And, and you know, uh, obviously we have opportunities to add linemen this draft class. But just like we ran into issues up front on the offensive line, I mean, we can run into issues on the defensive line this year or at corner or at receiver. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stress to always add talent and, and make sure that the next man up philosophy is in place and, and we have the talent to do that. And Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Brent, I'm curious, when you're deciding between two players to where maybe on your board, this guy isn't distinctly better than the other one, what are some of the traits or characteristics you have to evaluate to make that selection? Um, so are you talking about like, uh, repeat that question again? Yeah, so whenever you're deciding, when it's your selection and you're deciding yeah. on a player and this guy may not, you know, they're even keel in terms uh -huh. of different positions, what traits or characteristics are you having to kind of lean on to decide which guy to take. Yeah, well, I think when you run into those scenarios where the, where the guys value-wise looking left to right or similar, I think you'll have a natural inclination to look for need. You never want to draft for need. You want to draft the best player available. If you do get into those scenarios where uh, the talent is equal, then you'll, you'll certainly line, uh, kind of lean toward um, need. Um, but just, you know, you can never go wrong with, uh, you know, the makeup of guys, smart, tough, durable, guys that love the process. And it's interesting. I think when you go back and you study your drafts and how you draft and where you went wrong and, how, and what you did good. And, and it always comes down to football character inevitably. And, and it's, it's, it's tough because a lot of the, the guys that have, football character questions and raise those concerns seems always they always seem to be the most talented and they always um are very tempting but i think if you say discipline in your approach uh, especially when you get into talent values that are equal i think you always defer to the football character the makeup and guys that truly love the process let's go next to nate taylor go ahead nate hey brad good to see you hey nate in terms of you know where you guys are in the first round uh, there's been times in the past where you've moved up. Obviously, you stayed at 32 last year. Just what is the situation that makes it advantageous for you to move up versus maybe moving down out of the first round? Yeah, well, and that that will be really predicated on your board. And, and you know, we have X amount of names there that we feel are our are, are first round value and guys that can come in and, and step up right away. I think if we get into that zone where our cutoff might be, I think currently it's like 16 to 17 names that we feel are, you know, impact starters come in play right away. I think if, if, if it makes sense for us uh, in regards to, you know, one of those 16, 17 players dipping into the teens or twenties um, to get aggressive, um, you know, if those guys are gone and we're in the twenties, then that's where it becomes just 
more discipline and potentially looking to trade back and getting equal value and maybe acquiring picks. So it really just depends on how the board falls. And uh, th that's why we spend a lot of time just, you know, analyzing that board and going through all these scenarios. And, you know, like I'm sure all you guys have done, we've played out this mock draft with our staff many times. And, you know, what if this team does this or what if there's a trade and, and there's, you know, there's a pocket there. I think that there will be potentially an opportunity that it may make sense for us. Um, the hard part is though, when you're picking 31, I think if you're picking at 14 or 15, you know that this move will definitely get you either this player or that player at 31. It's just so far down the line. And there's so many dominoes. If one team does one thing that most people aren't expecting, it'll just kind of screw the whole dynamic of that first round. So it's really just a matter of seeing how the cards playing out and, and having multiple plans of attack, depending on which direction it goes. Go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Brett and Brett, I'll, I'll have a quick follow up to this. Mm -hmm. uh, Brett, the um, you talked about Trent Williams and, and taking that shot. You, you guys are linked. Uh, maybe some other uh, tackles that are out there. Maybe even a, a trade. Uh, just overall, I mean, I know you're not going to discuss anyone in particular, or any team in particular. But what is the trade market like right now? And what do you think the uh, you know what, of what's left on on the free agent market at tackle? Well, I mean, listen, there's there's some names that have been floating around and we'll continue to have dialogue. And um, obviously, um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, things aren't quite there yet, but there's a lot of time. I mean, between now and next Thursday and it typically things it's like that fictitious deadline. I, I think teams want to know exactly what they have for draft capital. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting closer to there. There's been certainly dialogue with with various teams and you, you, we have a couple of things on our radar and um, nothing you know, there we're, we're ready to, to move in any, any direction. But I mean, we're always going to continue to have dialogue with teams and, and make sure that we have all the information and we can assess whether this move would be uh, a better uh, alternative than staying put and either moving up or moving down and, and just working through that and have great dialogue, dialogue with our coaches. So it's been uh, quieter than most years, but I mean, like every year, it will always pick up, you know, days with a few days leading before the draft, it'll certainly pick up. All right. And then uh, you talked about trading up uh, or trading down, whatever it is. How much of that for, for fans that are watching on draft day and getting excited and then they see a trade come down? How much of the trades are legwork you get done, say, this week and and, you know, building, knowing where who might want to come up, who might want to come down versus just the phone rings, you know, five minutes before you're on the board? So uh, that's a great question. I, I would say that the legwork for these deals, I, you know, I presume you're talking primarily about first round deals. I mean, because obviously there's, yeah, there's deals throughout the draft. Um, so the legwork for most of these deals are probably done, I think, when you're picking in that top 15. Um, now, teams aren't going to announce it because obviously the more picks that go by, the more probable a player that you want may go. But I think that some general trades are probably agreed upon right now if player X is available. So I think that is probably very likely again for those top 15 teams. I think for where we're at 31, they're more of the deals that just happen. Okay. We're prepared. We have our chart values. We know the players we want. And if any of these players, as I mentioned to Nate, if they fall into that zone, we're prepared to move. Or if they're not there, we're prepared to field call and, and move down depending on where they pick and the draft chart aligns, just be prepared. It's a little bit more difficult for us because obviously the more picks that go by, the more variables and, and the more things change. So I would, you know, to answer your question, I would say that most of the legwork for these top 10, top 15, 
I, I would say they're in place right now. Uh, once you get past 15, a lot of it's more of teams. Wow, that guy's still available. All right, let's let's pick up the phone and let's see if we can get up there real quick. So you just have to be prepared for all those scenarios. And um, you know, every year we certainly have to do a little bit more work because there's certainly more variables that come into play for us picking at 31. We've got three more. We'll go right down the line, starting with Darren. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, Brett, thanks again for doing this. Uh, two quick questions. Obviously, you know, the, the, the team is kind of top-heavy with the star players that you pay with the salary, but looking at the looking at the trade market or, or even even on uh, the free agency, where are you all at with maybe getting a, a number two wide receiver? I know Antonio, Antonio Brown has been linked to, you know, via Bleacher Report to being a good fit for Kansas City. What do you think about him possibly coming? And then also, do you feel pressure uh, each year to get the picks right and hope that they pay off for you? Um, well, as far as uh, the wideout position, um, you know, we certainly were excited, to, you know, having Tyreek and, and McColl, uh, getting D-Rob back for us was big. And, and we're certainly extremely high on um, Byron Pringle. I think we, we all believe in him and, and the progress and, and the work that, that he's put in. Um, we're certainly hopeful for him. We have Antonio Callaway coming in. Um, we're excited about him. And, um, you know, it's just Zoom now. We'd like to get these guys in and, and get your hands on them. And hopefully by the end of, of training camp, we will. But we're certainly excited about his athletic skill set and what he can do. And I think from there, I think that there's a number of different scenarios that, that could play out uh, in the draft. Uh, you know, Pete talked about pockets earlier. I think there's a mid-round pocket that we're excited about. So I don't think that we'd be in any rush to do anything on the free agency market um, because of where we are. Um, we like the, the four or five guys that we have on our roster. That in combination with what we think will be available for us um, during the middle middle rounds of the draft, I think um, would be something that we'll put our priority in. Now, listen, things could change. And after the draft, and once we get closer to training camp, depending on injuries and, and how things shake out, you know, we'll always keep um, our free agency board updated and be ready to go. But I think our priority right now is to see what we can add in regards to the draft. And, and then certainly every pick, I mean, there's a lot of pressure and you know, when you do have those those contracts like the star players we have, it's hard to, you know, have expensive depth level players. So you have to find those in the draft. You have to build depth. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we were we made obviously big strides last year. I think last year's draft class is, is going to turn out to be uh, an excellent one. We're, we're excited to get Lucas back in the mix here. And and I think all these guys that we drafted last year are going to be ready to to continue their growth and development and continue to add to our roster. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to putting another class as strong as last year's and, and, and hoping that builds a, a good foundation for us moving forward. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Brett, thanks for the time as always. Mm -hmm. um, this is a bit of a two-part question. Um, the first part is you mentioned the challenges with this year's draft, and certainly one of them are players who opted out or had truncated seasons. Um, curious, how do you treat the players who opted out and didn't have or didn't have a 2020 season? And how much do you look at the 2019 film and measuring those guys? And I'll have a follow up to that. Yeah. So when you ask about how you treat them, just like their decision to opt out or just the, the lack of tape? Uh, the, the lack of tape and how that they're opting out or not having a season impacts you bring being willing to bring them in. Yeah, well, it, it's it, it's tough for more so for the uh, the juniors that declared, right, and opted out. Some of the seniors that decide to opt out, most of those guys, I think, are are, are top top line picks. There are there are a handful of of juniors that opted out. So you're you're evaluating sophomore tape. Uh, so that one's 
to me and to our staff, that, that was a little bit more challenging. I don't want to name names because some of these guys we like, but there are a couple of guys that it's, it is more of a projection just because of when you're talking about going back to 19 tape, it's sophomore tape and not junior or retro junior tape. So those guys are a little bit more challenging because certainly those guys get bigger, stronger, and, and you know, the, the body changes are significant from their sophomore tape to the junior tape. Whereas a guy opted out in the senior year, it's small changes, but you don't have to do as much projecting. So that's certainly been a challenge. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, the testing helps out in, in, in some regard, just if these guys have added bulk mass weight and how they move with that weight and how they carry that weight, it helps, but uh, not as much as, as the tape. So there, a lot of it uh, is certainly projection, but fortunately for us, there wasn't too many of those guys. And I think the guys that, that did opt out that were younger, I think we have a pretty good feel for, and uh, I'm sorry, what was your second question? Yeah. The, the second part is, you know, when you are evaluating offensive linemen and particularly tackles, there's a lot of talk about the players in this year's draft, you know, paying a lot of short arm tackles. Yeah. How important is that to you? I mean, how, how important is that a factor? And is, is there a magic number for you as far as you want to see in that position? Yeah, listen, it's extremely important. Um, but at the same time, so is, um, you know, their, their size, their size, uh, their athleticism, their, their football character. I mean, they're all, everything is, is important uh, to play tackle in this league. You know, I, I think uh, teams look for tackles that are 34 plus arms. I, I think that I think once you get a guy that's really good, I think you're you're relatively okay with 33, 33 and change. I mean, there's a number of guards that, that play at a high level at those arm lanes. It, it, I think, you know, you hate to say you have a magic number because you never want to rule someone out that's really good. And there's always exceptions to any role. I think once you get into the 32s, it is a little bit concerning, even if the guy is extremely athletic, just because um, the defensive ends in this league are, are really uh, athletic. And most of those guys have 35, 35, 34, 35 inch arms. So it's just a, you know, natural leverage game. And it's hard when, when, uh, an explosive defensive end with that kind of length gets inside the numbers. So um, again, I'd hate to say we put a number on guys cause you know, we'll end up drafting someone with 32 and seven eighths inch arms. And, you know, I'll, I'll look like a liar here. Um, I think in general, you'd like to be at least over 33 and anything over 34 is good, but um, there's always exceptions to the rules. And we'll go last to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Brett. Um, hey, Sam. I had a couple things as well. I'll ask them just one at a time. Uh, as far as your philosophy for best player available, you know, how many positions do you sort of eliminate before, you know, obviously quarterback, I assume. Um, and, and then how many positions do you go into a draft saying, I really want to address this position at some point over the apex? Well, I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, other than quarterback, I think everything is going to be on the table um, just because again, um, as you know, we've seen, Last year was the O-line. The year before, I mean, we lost so many defensive ends. Um, the year we won the Super Bowl, I think we had three or four DNs go down. So uh, I think you can never go into the draft thinking you're good at a position because it only takes uh, a few weeks' worth of injuries at a same position to be deficient, and that happens really quick in this league. So I think you always go on the board, and you, you want to add quality players at every level. And, and um, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, once you get into more perceived – positions of of need you'll certainly lean toward that way if it's if it's close i mean we have everyone has a different grading system so our second round would be guys that are you know graded um 69 65 um 60 so i think anytime you get into a, a situation where you're looking at um you know two or three players grade at that 69 level and a couple of guys at 65 it's easy to, to shade toward a position in need but any any 
discrepancy greater than that, I think you're always going to defer to your board because you know it may it may not make as much sense this year, but over the long haul of that contract, it's going to, it's going to pay off for you. Um, so it's just a matter of being disciplined and again, just sticking to your board. And I think anything close, you can defer to need, but um, anything that you're more than half round round um, separation in value, I think you always got to stay disciplined to your board. And um, you know, I feel like, you know, certainly last year, you know, we stayed true to that. And what was your second question? I just wondered what, what are these last few days like? Um, I mean, obviously I assume that, that your board's pretty much set. I mean, are you just running through mock drafts kind of? Trying yeah. To yeah. The bowler? yeah. Yeah. We're just going through scenarios and you know, the what ifs and you, you know, we're looking at these players here and you know, we have a handful of guys call it six to eight that we think will be there. Uh, no, they all won't be there, but we feel confident that three or four would be there. And then as you know, the questions were raised earlier, if, if some of these guys that we have value as um, true first rounders, if they slip where we go, if, we're wiped out clean and we lose uh, all those guys and, and we're sitting there on 31, you, you know, we're starting to feel calls about what we would do um, in regards to moving up or back where our threshold will be. So now it's, it is, it's really playing a lot of mock draft scenarios and just being prepared for, um, for all that. And it happens every year. There's always a scenario that you didn't think of. And there's always one player that, you know, 90% of the teams didn't have in the first round go. And that kind of, makes everything go in a different direction. So I think the more dialogue and the more mock scenarios you go through, the better prepared you are. So, um, so that's always kind of where we're at this stage of the game. And, and look, it's a lot of fun. I, you know, like you guys are doing the same thing and it, it's a lot of fun that we have um, to go and we all kind of go through our old mocks. And at the end of the day, it's, it's always fun after the draft, looking at where all of our scouts kind of, you know, projected this draft to go and to see who was most accurate. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're just, going through scenarios and being prepared uh, for Thursday night. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports BKC. Big thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Bickett, and Savannah Smith. Links to stories about the Chiefs and the NFL Draft can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And it's always a great time to subscribe. The Royals are off to a hot start as they they begin a four-game series in Detroit tonight. Our local colleges are always making news. I think KU Spring Game is coming up in a week from Saturday. And of course, as you know, it is never not Chiefs season. So how do you get this? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstore.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.